are listening live to the program. Your teams, your town, your program. Patrick Mahomes is in another world. Can we stop trying to put Joe Burrow? Can we stop trying to put Lamar Jackson? Can we stop trying to put Josh Allen on his level? They have not earned that right. He's by himself. He's looking at Joe Montana. He's looking at Tom Brady. That's who he's looking at. He's the best player in the history of the game. We are taking for granted greatness, myself included. What Patrick Mahomes did yesterday against the best defense in arguably the last 10 years in the NFL is absolutely remarkable. He understands how to take his foot off of the gas to put his team in the best position to win. The evolution of Patrick Mahomes has been phenomenal because he went from being the best player in the world one way to continuing to be the best player in the world in a different way by becoming a better leader. I think it's amazing. And now, wondering why the NFL would fix games for the best player in the world, Seren Petro. Right you are. Hey, right you are. Petro on the program on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Thanks for joining us here on a another Sunsplash Victory Tuesday. It hadn't gotten any worse. Mm-mm. Sun hasn't gone down since they went to the AFC Championship game again. Nope. Still looking. Uh, well, it went down last night. It hasn't. It's been out during the day every day. Yeah. Still That'd looking. be weird if the sun didn't go down at all. Still, it'd be Alaska. <laughs> you wonder uh, what the hell is going on. Why are we in Alaska? What is happening? Who brought us here. I didn't remember this being on the uh, on the tour guide. Mahomes has so much power he can hold the sun in the sky. That's power. That's power. He really does. Uh, is this a dynasty, and is he the best quarterback in football? 913-3810-810. The phone number, 913-3810-810. Is it need a third victory to be called a dynasty? Uh, we'll talk about that. You can grab a phone line. Now, talk some Chiefs football. We, unfortunately, uh, left a lot of people hanging uh, who were calling in. Everybody wanted to give their prediction already. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. They don't need to see the injuries this week. All right. They're ready to rock and roll. Let's throw some predictions out there. Boom. But uh, which I write them down, you know. If you want to talk your smack, uh, make sure you get your prediction in. Uh, email me, call in, you know, what have you. Um, did you need this time at the top? Just FYI. <laughs> now it says five twelve thirty five. So there you go. Now you have it. We did it. That was subtle. Um, I got his show sheet with a lot of extra info that I don't, that I kind of need, but he really needs. So we'll clear that up right away. Anything Uh, interesting? uh, Other than that? Okay. Something's going on then. I don't know what it is. The first Uh, few numbers of Seren's credit card. There it is. That's how. That's how it begins. Uh, we uh, we got a lot coming your way today. J.J. Piccolo is going to join us. The Royals signing Adam Frazier had a press conference today, teleconference. Zoom. Zoom. Zoom, zoom, zoom. That's the uh, modern uh, way of doing it. Uh, Adam Frazier, uh, as he was um, uh, introduced today. So you got that going for you. Uh, we'll talk about that with J.J. Piccolo and just where they sit, getting ready for spring training. They've got their uh, Fan Fest. I think it's been rebranded as Royal... Rumble, <laughs> Royal Rally, Rally, I Royal it's Rumble, Royal Rumble. Yeah. I like the Rumble. I think the players will enter the festivities by coming over a twenty-foot chain-link fence. Mm-hmm. Twenty-five will enter; only one will leave. That's right. So, Let's see who it is. Who would you get? Who would you bet on? Um, 
And Salvi's got size. A year ago, I would have bet on was it two years ago? A role does Chapman when he was here. That's my guy. You think he's going to come in for a Salvi splash? He just bashes the dude over the head like it's a chair. Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. I'm, Pass Quintino off the crowd. Oh my god. I'm going to figure past him. He's not small. Uh, Bobby Witt's quite athletic, but he's kind of wiry more yeah. than he is. You know, he's not Alex Gordon. I'm trying to think if there's somebody else that's like, you know, hey, they're just an okay player, but they're, ooh, geez. There's a guy who's thinking MMA for a possible career. <laughs> uh, that's Matt like, Stairs would have been a... He's not that... Matt Stairs was... I'm just thinking in terms of WWE wrestling. I mean, he had the attitude of it. Yeah, the attitude and the shtick, for sure. Uh, you know, I don't know how big. i got to see Lugo and Waka and... Jonathan all, Bolin, 6'6", 240. He's a big boy. Big dude. Dayton Moore rises up like the uh, Undertaker used to. Jorge Soler wouldn't have been a bad no. candidate for odds-on favorite on James that one. James MacArthur, 6'7", 230. Yeah, there's a, but those pictures yeah. are kind of... Wiry too, you know. Any six four two forty five. I'm I'm finding nothing that was as compelling as Chapman would have been a year ago. Aroldis, he would have. There's also there was also a presence. Yes. You know, he was a guy you'd see on the on the mound in the game. You're like you could see the muscles popping through the jersey. Like, holy hell! Yeah, he's a big big dude. The genetic um, anomaly. Moose had some tude. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it, it, he wasn't going to be the favorite. I would have taken Kendris Morales. Just, yeah. just those just those arms over everyone else off of that team. Moose, I was, I was like, this is a professional athlete. If Mondesi was on the team, he would have gotten hurt on the way in. So it would have been 24-minute. Uh, he would have pulled a, a, a lat. Emphasis on the professional, not on the athlete. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, True story. Checks cash the same. Yeah, and then there are guys like Johnny Giovatello. Well, are we headed to the swimsuit contest next? Or, you know, so I know we're not hitting, but, you know, there they're, they're are those guys that are like, well, he's put everything into it. He's getting everything out of the physical stuff that he yeah. has. Um, so, yeah, we got that going for us. That'll be fun. So uh, the Royal Rally. Rally. So we'll talk to J.J. Piccolo. Long way to go. Mm-hmm. To say we'll... Uh, that's fun, though. We'll look ahead to spring training. I'll take it. Uh, Tim Grunhard with us uh, in the uh, 3 o'clock hour. We'll talk to you football with Grunny. Sam McDowell in the 4. What's that giggle? Someone just <laughs> mentioned Kyle Farnsworth. Yeah? Yeah. That one. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Kyle Farnsworth and, and uh, I really enjoyed Kyle Farnsworth and Jonathan Broxton. Yes. Who was a massive man. Yeah. That's the one that the... Uh, who was it? Tim. Uh, Tim Hill. Tim Hill and somebody else. Another guy. Stood. He's gotten a leg of his pants. Yes. Both of them big, menacing guys. Yeah. And then you sit down, sit him down for an interview, and timid. Very much so. Like afraid of the microphone, ready to seek and destroy in a fight. Where's Sweeney? I'm kicking his ass. Remember Kyle Farnsworth, like mm-hmm. trying to make his way through the melee in that Royals Tigers brawl back in the day, and looking for the biggest guy in the Royals. To- was he the guy, or who was it? Was it Broxton? Someone told you in spring training. Well, um, people don't usually come out to the mound. That was Broxton. Is that Broxton? Yeah. I said, yeah. What? What? Uh, I, I said, have you ever been charged, or what? What do you do? He's like, 
Yeah, they don't usually come out. <laughs> but he, yeah, I get it. That was the one time. But otherwise, he was kind of shy, oh, kind of yeah. timid. Yeah. And then when I was but like, he even said that, kind of like, yeah, yeah, they don't usually never, come out. He's like, no, there was a bit of an edge that came with that. Yeah, yeah, they don't usually come out. Like, would you? Right. Like, yeah. No, I would not. No, I will not. Uh, Sam McDowell. There's a guy I'd bet on in any kind of rumble. <laughs> Strapping lad. The, the polar opposite of Jonathan Broxton. Uh, Sam McDowell. With us in the 4 o'clock. Uh, and then uh, Gary Parrish talking some college hoops in the 5. Sam McDowell could fit in one leg of Tim Hill's pants. That's how thin he is. <laughs> and in this corner, a man whose heart rate has never gone over 32 beats a minute. Tim Hill and Everett Tiford. <laughs> I am reminded. Uh, by right. those with inside sources. Uh, his nominations, if we were doing, I guess, an all-time Royals. Well, now this is the thing. Yeah, it's now, the thing. now we may have to put some odds out there and put yeah. some thought into this and come back. Maybe we'll do that for spring training. When I get down there, maybe on the flight to Arizona, I'll work on, uh, you know. Uh, but uh, nominations for Kyle Farnsworth, yes, and Miguel Olivo. <laughs> who was it who came in? Somebody got it. Somebody... Were they, were they thinking about going to the mound? And he said they turned around on him, and he just dropped. He went into a boxing stance and started, like, circling. Yes. <laughs> it just reminds me and always makes me happy of Mike McFarlane taking out uh, Tim Phelps. Tim Phillips. Remember that one? He mm-hmm. was with the Red Sox then, mm-hmm. I think. But uh, my favorite Boddicker moment ever. I remind him of it. Almost every time I see him, Tim Phillips, good ball player, giant pain in the ass. <laughs> McFarland wasn't taking it. <laughs> Loved it. So Tim or was it Tony Phillips? Tony Phillips. Yeah. Tony Phillips. Yeah. Tony Phillips. Thank you. Uh, good on base guy. Playing uh, a lot of good guy, teams. Play all over the place. Won a World Series. He's a better player than people yeah, realized back yeah. then. The modern uh, metrics would like him even more now. Uh, 913-3810-810. So big program for you today. We've got a lot of things we're going to get to. As uh, You know, pace yourselves, people. Yes. On the Super Bowl, pace yourselves. All right? I mean, don't don't talk it all out here in the first couple of weeks. we got two weeks. We're also so, going to get around the next Monday and go, oh, it's still a week. It's still seven, six days away. What am I going to do now? I've said everything and thought everything. And there's not a lot of... Uh, College basketball calls to be had, so really, truly pace yourself. Yeah, there. Uh, it was a little bit of the training camp fatigue that can set in, where you're like, okay, two weeks. Like, are we going to break down the Niners fullback again? Like, you know, <laughs> come on now. Didn't we just do this? It's like checking your key, pocket for your car keys again. Oh yeah, I did that. Yeah, still not there. Or checking your, your Gmail to see if it actually works with your Apple. Mm. You know, it's fun. Those two sides decide to be complete uh, Richards to each other and just mm-hmm. make my life miserable in trying to get them to work together. I really appreciate that. It's doing wonders for my already overburdened email. Um, no, I, I want to ask the question, are they a dynasty? And is Patrick Mahomes the best quarterback that ever lived? That's the thing. We heard what Shannon Sharp yeah, talking that, about it. That was Shannon Sharp. Um, who else is in that list? Uh, Danny's favorite, Dan Orlovsky, and Ryan Clark. And that kind of is 
I've noticed two themes that have begun on Sunday. The fatigue, the uh, everyone's already tired of the of the Chiefs. In particular, ah, they're going back again. Uh, I won't say hatred. In some, in some parts there are. But just, oh, we have to deal with the freaking Chiefs again. Coupled with at this, the, the highest point it has ever been in his career, uh, an acceptance or at least an appraisal that he is the best player in the game, maybe the be- as he, he's a quarterback, the best player ever, best quarterback ever, that, that he is now officially in the room by himself and is competing with the other players who have ever played. It's no longer a, you know, a, a, even a discussion about who the best player in the league is. He's, he's by himself. He's one of one. Do you remember the day you decided Tom Brady was the greatest quarterback ever? I don't. I do. Mm. I don't particularly remember when it, when, it, when it was. You do, you, but at some point, I, I had yeah. one singular moment. I had a couple of years where I kind of waffled back and forth. Actually, I think I know what you're talking about. Well, you know, you probably remember mm-hmm. when it was for me. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Do you it's remember not, when it's you not decided? The point most people would think. No, it's not. I got there. I don't remember a particular moment. I got there a particular season. The, the season that the Chiefs just wrecked them in Monday Night Football 14. at 14. Mm-hmm. And they still turned that thing around and, and won a Super Bowl. And he was really expensive at that time. Not that he was cheap when they lost to the Giants. But I think that was the run that made me like, all right, this is this is the one. I, I always was of the opinion that Elway was better than Montana because I thought if you flip teams – Elway wins everything Montana did and more because one he was more durable, but also I thought he had he definitely had I think everyone would agree he had more physical tools than Joe Montana. It is amazing how I think Patrick Mahomes is playing much more like Joe Montana these days than John Elway. Mm-hmm. He's not unleashing fastball after fastball, throwing darts into tight windows. He's anything but Brett Favre. He's throwing looping passes, soft touch passes over the top and settling into little windows with great touch, much more Joe Montana-like, much more Peyton Manning-like than Elway and Favre. You guys remember these Super Bowls much better than I do. You think Jim Kelly would have grabbed one of those? If that Did they try, do you think, to was he too launch it, fastball, 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 K-gun? In those Super Bowls, I don't or was think the so. NFC just such Kelly being that kind of a guy? I don't remember that being. Okay. I I truly don't. Remember. I just know he had like seven turnovers yeah. in that. Yeah, the first two Cowboys. It, he was just a really good quarterback. I mean, he had. I think he had a good arm, maybe very good. I don't remember ever being like, oh my god, yeah. look at that one. The two arm talent guys from that quarterback class were Elway, who had just the unbelievable fastball, and then Marino, who had the release. I mean, when Dan Marino, at least early in his career would literally hold the football by the side of his head, and it looked like he didn't even bring it back. Right? He would hold that football, and it felt like it started at his the ear mm-hmm. hole of his helmet and only went forward. It was the quickest release ever. Yeah, yeah. And he'd bring it from down low sometimes, just out of nowhere. He's like, wow, I didn't even see that happen. But I guess he wasn't as pronounced as Peyton Manning about holding it up at his head. Yeah. But, but it was the, the getting rid of it release crazy. of Marino was crazy. But, you know, Mahomes, it's the reason why you know he's great is because he's the first Mahomes. Oh, he's a gunslinger like Brett Favre. No, that's not at all what he looks like. Mm-mm. I mean, if you watch Brett Favre, says now Brett Favre routinely would be like, that's the guy who's supposed to get it. I'm sending it there. And I'll just throw it harder than that defensive back and put his hand out in front and stop it. 
And he would throw BBs all the time. Yeah, you just, just watch a Brett Favre. Wind-up BBs. can't believe. Over the top. Yeah. He had those, this odd, over the, yeah. really over-the-top delivery. But, man, the ball got out quick. And and with velocity, guys like Jeff George and, and Jay Cutler, maybe the you know, two guys with better arm talent, you know, kind of Matt Staffordish, and throw off that back foot and still unleash fastballs. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they were, you know, not what anybody would coach, but they could get away with it. They'd be stepping back from that rush or slinging it a little three quarters to come around somebody who's got their arms up. That that was always impressive to watch. I think Matt Stafford's always impressive to watch the way he, he brings it. Mahomes is more impressive in the sense that he's always on the move and off platform. Yes, and it's still and accurate. Throwing jump and throws hooks and with, yeah, it, it's it's the survival skills are tremendous, and it's one of the reasons why I would like to see. We're still not. We're still a lot of you know they. What do you hold the ball eight seconds or something on one of the throws where mm-hmm. they they put a clock on it? I'd still like to see some more quote unquote on time throws. He didn't have many against Baltimore. No. Now that was a common, you know, beef that people had, a- analysts had, fans had. Well, you we should just, you know, throw the ball on time, you know. And and when it's not going well, and Eric Eager's talked about it, I think he's right. When there are times when you're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for something to come open, and maybe something to come open downfield, you know, let's get some slants. Let's the way Patrick Mahomes was willing to play game management football against the Baltimore Ravens. I'd like to see him add the. And maybe it's Andy Reid and Matt Nagy that need to add this with the play calls, add the the slant, the the quick hitters to get the ball out of his hands quick, get him in the rhythm and the habit early in the game of getting the ball out. Yeah, that's what I would like to see a little bit more of. But I, I do think we're at a point where I would define it as he's playing quarterback better than anybody's ever played quarterback. The career accomplishments do not equal that of Tom Brady. And I heard Jeff Chadia say this once about tight ends, like you know. You want the greatest tight end of all time? Well, what are you asking me? Do you want him for a career? Do you want him for a season? Do you want him for a game? What are you asking me here? Right? Because the answer might be different. Yeah. Best career? Tony Gonzalez, he said. Mm -hmm. Want him for a season? Travis Kelsey. Do you want him for a game? Rob Gronkowski. Like, for a game, nobody was more dominant and could do more things than Rob Gronkowski. I can't argue with that right now. Maybe Travis Kelsey's career will put him to where he's the best. But that's a pretty good way to slice yeah, it up. Sure. I think for a game, you can't pick anybody but Patrick Mahomes right now, can you? No. 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 Are they a dynasty? I I think they need to win. I think they need to win one more. I think if they win, and it's a big if they win this one, then it's it's absolutely no question. They're the best team. One of the things that hurts them is the nineteen season. It's not all in the twenty twenties. Yeah, right. It's overlapping. Right, right. right. And the symmetry of the seventies Steelers, the eighties nineties, eighties Niners, eighties forty Niners. Let's yeah. say it that 80s, way. Eighties yeah. Niners. Um, you know the Cowboys, nineties Cowboys. Cowboys. The symmetry of that, they're kind of hurt by. It. But if they get a third one in four years, yes, they're dynastic in, in what they've accomplished. Nine one three three eight ten eight ten. We'll take some fall, uh, phone calls. We'll also talk to JJ Piccolo. You're in the program. Nine one three three eight ten eight ten. All right, taking your phone calls here on a Tuesday. Uh, let's get things started with uh, Rodney. Rodney, you're on the program, buddy. What's going on? Hey, you doing, sir? Good, man. What's on your mind? Yeah. See, I see everybody like the, the national media here likes to use my take and I'm trying to steal my my take of saying that Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid took their foot off the pedal. 
But it was funny that the only one that said that um, the Ravens defense technically did not shut them out in the second half, that they just the offense just leaned on the defense to get it done, was only the defensive guy. Ryan Carkin and and Rex Ryan said, you know, they the Chiefs just hanged on to their defense. Let the defense lead the team and and carry on. So, with that being said, I have two warnings for the 49ers. My first one is when you underestimate the Chiefs, things won't get bad. So, don't look at that last week game. Don't look at the AFC Championship game and say, well, we're going to gain chance for that. The Chiefs will turn around and put 35 points on a quick pass in the hurry without looking back. They don't got nothing else to do after the game. <laughs> There's no other. That's it. So, and I also look at the the second one is the minute you underestimate that defense. Well, well why is everyone underestimating the defense? I want to know, is there any game that the Chiefs allow more than 20 points? Uh, this year? They, yes. Uh, they allowed 24 to the Bills a week and a half ago. Um, 21 to the Lions in week one. Uh, 20 to the Jets in week five. 20 to the Vikings in week six. Did you say more or just 20? Just more. Just more? Okay, so uh, more would be... Five games. Yeah, would be more than 20? Yes. Eagles, Lions, Bills, Broncos, and Packers. Yeah. So, so, I, so out, of, out of those five games, it seems like everyone thinks, oh, well, you know, the, the score should be, you know, well over 30 points. Like, the Chiefs going to allow over 30 points in this game. I don't even see that happen. No, I don't, I, don't, I, I don't see it either. But I will object to your, the Chiefs will put 35 on you. Uh, they have scored 35. They scored 41 against the Bears. And they only scored over 30, I think, two other times, right? Yep. 31 against the Chargers. And the Raiders. And 31 uh, against the Raiders. So I wouldn't be quite as confident about the uh, the offensive numbers you were talking. Oh, I, I believe that. I know, it, it, for me, it's just, it's just on an underestimating factor, thinking that, well, they're they not going to do it, so we're just going to play light and happy and, and watch these guys go full throttle. So yeah. to me, my... My prediction, I, I see this game going 27-17 okay. at the most. I got it, 27-17. I, I, I think this defense is going to go crazy. And, and with Charles Minnie, who out, I, I see the emergence of Felix and, and, and Malik Herring, that Steve Spagnuolo has been hiding. He's been hiding them too. Well, I, 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 I wish, and I'm going to let you go, Rodney, because i got a couple more people I want to get to, but uh, I, I, I hope you're right, because somebody is going to have to step in and deliver some quality snaps uh, for FAU. 913-310-810. Travis, you're in the program. What's going on, Travis? Afternoon, guys. Uh, thanks for taking the call. Yep. Um, so did you get a chance to see the Justin Tucker response to the pregame stuff yesterday? No, I didn't. I, I think I heard that he... I heard about the Ravens fans being all upset about it. I, th- I think didn't he say he was like joking around or something? Yeah, or? No, no, no. He said he said that it's a normal thing that he's been doing that since his start of the NFL. That he goes down there and he kicks like that, and all the kickers do it. And that for whatever reason, Kelsey and Pat got frustrated and and kind of threw a fit about it. Kind of put it back on them. So I wanted you to, if you have a chance to ask Grunny at three, if that's the normal thing. Or even okay. Kindle, maybe. I, I don't know. I'd, I'd love to hear from somebody who actually played the game to find out if that's a normal behavior because it sounded like he just, you know, was down there to serve the pot and then it backfired on him. And yeah. Then he, I don't um, think he, I'm, and, and, and Travis, I appreciate the call. I don't 
think going down there and ending up sideways with guys is part of it, but that maybe it is. I mean, the gamesmanship that goes on with it. But I wouldn't mess with Patrick Mahomes before a game. Uh, George, uh, you're in the program. What's going on, George? Hey, sir, and thanks for all your insights in Kansas City sports. Yes, sir. Uh, concerned about the uh, depth on our D-line going into the Super Bowl. Uh, there was an article online today that suggested uh, Chiefs reach out to Frank Clark. Wanted to get your thoughts on the idea and if you think that's a possibility. All right. I appreciate the call. I, I don't think so. Um, I think you're going to go with the guys that know the scheme and have been around and know the vernacular. I mean, everything kind of evolves, and it's been a few years since Frank Clark was here. They had a chance to go get him earlier. They didn't do it. Uh, you know, I think it's time for FAU to, you know, take the diaper off. Get the big boy pants on and let's go. I mean, he's got to fit in there and be a part of the equation uh, for this team. Him, Herring, you'll see some more of Dickerson. Uh, And I think you'll see them vary the blitzes. I mean, that's one of the things that Spagnuolo always does. And one of the like complimentary, or at least uh, in his regard, theories on why he hasn't played much is that it's just a numbers game. But he's another guy that's been getting the pass rush. There's not not a spot for him. There's a spot for him now. Yeah. If he's got some game, let's see him do it. Uh, We'll take a break. we come back, let's talk to J.J. Piccolo, general manager for the Royals, is next. Welcome back here to the program here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Seren Petro with you as we uh, talk some Major League Baseball. We got the uh, Royals rally right around the corner, and I uh, got the Royals still making moves. Let's talk about it with J.J. Piccolo, the uh, Vice President and Executive Director of Baseball Operations for the Royals and General Manager for the Royals. Our Royals coverage brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System, the official health care provider of the Kansas City Royals. If you suffer an orthopedic injury in everyday life or playing sports, the University of Kansas Health system offers walk-in care 435 and all nop weekdays 8 to 7 saturdays 8 to 2 sprain strains fractures joint injuries uh, they got you covered monday through friday 8 to 7 saturdays 8 to 2 learn more at kansashealthsystem.com slash orthopedics jj my friend how are you sir Doing well, Trent. How you doing? Do, doing very good. Let's let's start with that latest move. You talked about a left-handed bat. You got a left-handed bat. Uh, Adam Frazier, why is he the the right fit for this team right now? He, you know, he was a guy when we set out in this offseason, when we started to try to target what left-handed hitters would fit our team, our, our roster, and in this case, 13-man roster, because we're talking about position players, who would fit us well. And it needed to be somebody that was versatile, Ideally, playing infield and outfield, uh, Adam was at the top of that list for a really long time, and it was really just a matter of waiting this thing out and seeing if it would come back to us a little bit. Uh, Adam is—he's a winner. Uh, he's got a lot of experience. I think he broke into the major leagues in 2016. Uh, been a, really a key contributor to both Seattle and Baltimore the last couple of years, and um, just looking at the number of games he's played at second base, he's played in the outfield. It was the right fit for us. And, of course, we talked about this a lot, just adding some veteran leadership. And in Adam, we get that uh, to go along with some of the others we signed. So it's a really good fit for us. It makes our roster deeper. Uh, it protects us in a lot of ways. And I think there will be impact when it's all said and done. And he'll be a key contributor. A um, couple things. One, what does it mean for uh, Massey at second base? I know he's played out, uh, Frazier's played outfield and second, but uh, what does it mean? Is this competition uh, for that spot, or does Frazier work more into kind of a utility role and be bouncing around? Yeah, I think he'll be bouncing around. We have, we have high expectations for Michael Massey. We really believe in him as a player, and we think he's going to be somebody that's going to be part of us for a lot of years to come. And, um, you know, 
at the same time, you know, every player has got to produce. But we, Michael Massey and Adam Frazier fit on our team very well. Uh, Michael is uh, a second baseman, doesn't play other positions, and that's why it was important to find somebody who can play multiple positions. I think generally speaking, the industry looks at Adam as a second baseman because that's where he's played primarily. But in our eyes, the value is that he plays multiple positions, open to it, understands it. Uh, mindset of the conversation with him was very direct and and he was excited about trying to be part of a team that's got a chance to win so uh, it was it doesn't really affect Michael to answer your question directly okay uh, Frazier a 331 career on base percentage but uh, just about 300 the last couple of years uh, he'll be in his age 32 season uh, you, you believe there's more there in the on base that he can be more of what he was yeah, we, we have some reason to believe. Last year, he, he suffered. He never went on the IL. He missed a couple games. But in early August, he hurt his wrist, his right wrist, pretty significantly. He kept playing through it. And if you look at his numbers up and through the end of July, uh, much better than they were in August and September, which brought his on-base numbers down. He actually had 13 home runs at that moment of the injury and then ended with 13 home runs. So I think it was pretty obvious that he was trying to play through something. Uh, but the wrist is healthy now, good to go. Uh, so our expectations is he'll, he'll be able to get on base at a higher rate, you know, not necessarily looking for him to hit home runs. We, you know, we, we just want the, the contact, the on base skills to come back to what his career looks like and it would be, it would complement our guys very well. Um, so what's next, right? We've had signing after signing. It's been a, a fun off season for Royals fans. You got anything else uh, before you, you get to surprise? Yeah, I mean, we're going to continue to look how how we could tweak this roster and, and maybe get deeper. I mean, that's one thing that, uh, you know, I, I repeat it all the time because I think it's an impactful comment. Hugh says it a lot. You never have enough talent. <laughs> so, um, so we're going to continue to look to see how we could tweak it. Uh, you know, the bullpen is something I want to keep looking at. You know, I, I think we've definitely upgraded the bullpen, but if we can get a little bit more power out there uh, to complement the guys we brought in, I think it would be healthy for us to do so. Uh, nothing imminent at all, but it's just constantly, you know, looking at how we can make some changes, acquire a player that makes us marginally better that in the long run helps us get through 162 games. Um, you know, there's still a lot of free agents out there. I mean, uh, I know you, know you just mentioned the bullpen, and a lot of times it seems like bullpen pieces will maybe come in towards the end, uh, you know, as we start getting into spring training. I can remember a number of times when you guys have brought in bullpen pieces once everybody's already down in surprise. But are, are you at all surprised that, you know, some of the bigger, uh, you know, pitchers, uh, position players, uh, that those dominoes haven't fallen this late? Yeah, I think so, just because we're talking about getting to spring training next week. I mean, Royals rallies this weekend. Players go to, typically go to Arizona right from here. And, you know, other clubs are doing the same things with their fan fests, whatever activities they have for their for their fan base. But um, it, it is a little surprising that it's gone this late into the year. And you know, I think particularly the, the names, the, the, the guys that you're referring to that are still out there because they're really impactful talent um, and they're going to change – the course of a division one way or another, whoever they land with. So uh, I think it's more because of who it is, um, more so than even the numbers uh, that stands out to us. I think the term pillow contract uh, might even have been coined by Scott Boris, but uh, could you see any scenario? Could you, would, you know, is it a conversation you could have 
with John Sherman. I'm just going to mention Cody Bellinger, right? If Cody Bellinger doesn't have a deal and he says, listen, I'm going to take a one-year deal again and prove that last year was no fluke. I mean, is that something that can be on your radar? Uh, you know, if, if you find that one of the, the bigger free agents that seemingly that may be on a five, six, seven-year deal for hundreds of millions of dollars wouldn't be there, a one-year deal could be a possibility, or no? Is the budget pretty pretty firm on where you guys can go? Yeah, it has to be a really, really, really soft pillow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, who knows, though? I mean, right? I mean the, the great thing about this offseason is John has been very open-minded to any ideas we have. Um, you know, and, and I think his actions have shown that he's supportive of us adding talent to this team. So if it was the right situation, at the very least, you know, we have this type of relationship, we can at least discuss it. And if the answer is no, the answer is no. But, um, you know, I don't think it'll get to a situation where somebody of that caliber uh, would end up being in the mix for us. Uh, in the NFL, generally speaking, the biggest contracts go first. And it kind of sets the market for everybody else. Now, in the NFL, there's a finite amount of dollars that are available. So, generally speaking, I think agents are like, when there's more dollars in the kitty, uh, there's more dollars I can get. Baseball works the opposite in the sense that there is no hard cap. There is a diet cap with, with the luxury tax that's there that does limit it. Uh, but the, the, the mindset and the philosophy of the agents has been that, you know, if I wait it out, eventually somebody will be like, okay, we can grab this guy at the end and, and they think they can get more. That's how it's worked. Bryce Harper, I think, was really the first one that we went all the way into spring training before it finally landed there. However, I think the overall total dollars spent in baseball, I'm not sure where we're going to be this year because we don't have a lot of guys signed, but had been going down over the last couple of years. Why are you surprised that agents haven't pivoted and said, well, if we're not getting more total dollars, like maybe you get more for that top guy, but is it creating – a, a a cheaper market for the guys that aren't, you know, the top 10, 15% of free agents. Has that been the, the result that maybe overall for players has resulted in less money? Yeah, I, I think there is a, you know, there's a big gap, obviously, between the, the top free agents and, and, say, your average free agents. And and that, that there is a great disparity and obviously has affected the total dollars that are put back into the game. But I think by and large, you know, if you look at, Ten-year uh, increments, the salaries are still on a you know, pretty steady rise. They're pretty steady increase. You know, the the other thing is, I think when you're talking about the the elite player, there's only so many elite players. And then when you're talking about, say, a a middle reliever, there's a large number of middle relievers. So it really comes down to personal preference. If a guy doesn't want to wait out the entire season, he may be indirectly setting the market for comparable players. Uh, and that may be a reason why it, it, salaries tend to hold a little bit there. Uh, I think there's a lot of factors that go into that, but um, you know the, the gap is it, 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 it's hot. You know, there's a, there's a big gap between the elite free agents and, and the ones who are not. Um, but I think we are very different than the NFL. Uh, the rhythm and pace of our offseason. You mentioned the top free agents sign quickly. You know, in baseball very rarely does. You know, years ago it, it would happen at the winter meetings. You know, I remember seeing, you know, Hall of Fame type players walking through the lobby at the winter meetings because they were announcing at the winter meetings that that player was signing. That certainly has swung the other way, and there's a lot of signings leading up until January, and that's when you see the top guys sign, um, you know, in January. So I think it's just going going through some ebbs and flows, and um, you know, what I think 
the timing of when a player signs, I think, is more dictated by his peer group. Uh, his, you know, basically positionality will dictate how quick a certain guy will sign in baseball. Uh, the trade market, there was your name, uh, yours being the Royals name was mentioned, uh, a number of times as maybe there was something cooking, uh, as we, uh, were back at the, uh, winter meetings. Uh, is that, you know, usually we don't see trades this time of year, but, uh, is there anything that's cooking on that front that could be a possibility or is it mostly more just laying groundwork for deadline, uh, type deals? Yeah, no, I, I think there, there's still going to be some trades that, that are made in the industry, and we want to stay involved and informed on whoever may be available um, because it it could impact our team. And, you know, we, again, any way we can improve our team, we want to be on top of. Um, but I, I still think there there could be a trade or two, significant trade. There was one last night with Minnesota. Yep. Um, I thought that was a pretty significant trade. Uh, so I think there could be a couple more trades in the next few weeks. I think once you get into the middle of spring training, it's it's a little bit more difficult. So say March 10th or so, it gets a little more difficult to make trades because teams are starting to, you know, come together. And I think you'll find a reluctance uh, to make a trade that close to the start of the season. But we got a long way to go until we get to March 10th. So we can we'll see what happens. Uh, how many jobs are open uh, for competition uh, for your 26 man roster? Yeah. Yeah, on our club, I think our bullpen is the one that's, uh, you know, the, the most competitive um, competition when we go into camp. And, and with the rotation, we've got eight guys right now that we feel confident that can start. So something's got to shake out there, but that leaks into the bullpen competition as well. And then in our outfield, you know, how our outfield's going to shape up completely. You know, they, you know, we feel good about MJ Melendez, Isbell, Velasquez, and Renfro, and then, you know, that last spot coming down to Blanco and Waters uh, is, is really what we're looking at. So so the competition's still there, but I would say for us it's more on the pitching side than anything else. There's a lot of things that still have to be figured out. Okay. Um, so uh, there will be some competition that, that's there uh, for, for the club. Uh, and that, that's changed a lot over the years, right? The old days of, you know, it's wide open and everything's up for grabs. I mean, guys are – Pretty well prepared when they get to spring training. Now you have a better feel for what you have, right? Guys come in camp like in incredible shape. You know, <laughs> it's so you know you'll know right away if something's not you know something's off. But these guys take take care of themselves incredibly well. And then in our case right now, I mean, when you're we've we've signed you know Lugo and Waka and Smith and Stratton, Trey, you know, got Anderson as well. You know, when you when you're acquiring those types of players, you expect them to be on your team. So you know, you start with that. They're fixtures, and then everything else around them has to develop. Um, but you know, we're we have a pretty good idea what our team is going to look like. But there there is going to be competition, and our hope in doing what we did this offseason, it raises the expectations of the current players we had or players we had at the end of the season. Raises that that expectation, and we're a better team overall. We're talking to J.J. Piccolo here in the uh, program. You said uh, earlier this offseason and talking about last year that you know, your models had your, that club winning more games. And and even, you know, I, I think even some of the, the advanced metrics said that you were probably a little bit unlucky with where the runs were dispersed. I know, you know, you're not about luck. You're about scoring more runs. But that your run differential even said that the record should be better. I'm curious what the models, you know, do you look at the models now and, and, and how much, you know, of an improvement do they say? 
Yeah, the the uh, the models are still evolving because the clubs aren't set yet. So, but you know, we do monitor, and the best way to categorize it right now is in the American League Central. There's a very small gap between the top of the division and the bottom of the division, and with the variance in those models, you know, you're kind of looking at a lot of teams that could be right around 500. You know, so you know, the, while we don't we're not completely going to trust the number right now. It's more of the spread between the top and the bottom that makes our division very competitive. Uh, that's where I think there's a bigger difference or, or in our favor between this year and last year, at least going into the season. But again, you know, Cody Bellinger shows up in the American League Central that changes things. You know, so, so until we go to opening day, uh, we put some credence into the, into the, uh, win expectancy, but not until we get to opening day are we really going to say, okay, now we have a better idea of how we compare to our, our rivals in the Central. Okay, a couple other uh, things. One, the, the stadium vote. We now have a date. Um, you know, still don't have a location for a new stadium, and and people, you know, still want to say that, uh, and then these two are kind of related, uh, this one, but, you know, that the stadium vote is driven ownership's um you know, willingness to spend. I, I still get that question. Um, and we know that that's the business side over there with the stadium thing, but um, do you feel confident that you're, you're settling into a payroll amount and, and have some cost certainty uh, or have some uh, payroll certainty moving forward and that this is kind of a budget that, you know, Royals fans can expect, one that will grow as attendance grows, as success grows, and all that kind of thing? Or, or does this feel like this is, you know, an effort to, you know, jumpstart the the public opinion of the team in an effort to get a vote passed. Yeah, I, I don't I don't believe that it's uh, an effort to get the vote passed. I, I think uh, Mr. Sherman did exactly what uh, he had shared with me privately and said publicly that we would do. You know, depending on how this off season was going, will dictate you know whether or not we push in a little bit more. And when we reached a certain point in this off season where we we're feeling better about our team, uh, we pushed a little bit harder. Um, so I, I really think he did exactly what he shared uh, with, with everybody that he would do. And I think these two things are independent of each other. You know, what our payroll looks like in the coming years, I, I, it's hard to, hard to say. I don't think we're looking at this like we're going to spend X amount of dollars every year. I think as long as our team, we feel like it's competitive, our models have us as being a competitive team, you know, Mr. Sherman is going to be competitive as an owner to allow us to stay at the top of the division. And that's just uh, my thoughts on it and what he shared with me, and, and you know, that's how we've gone through this offseason. And finally, before we get to the Final Four, and this has to do with the, the payroll and potentially for a vote, uh, there, there couldn't be uh, better news for Royals fans than to say, Bobby Wood Jr. signed for 10 years with the uh, Kansas City Royals. Uh, what, what, where can you give us any update on whether or not there's progress on, on signing Bobby Witt, uh, beyond just the, uh, the team control years? Yeah, uh, I'm happy to say that we, we continue to stay engaged, uh, in conversations. You know, I, I know that Bobby and his representation, uh, feel good about Kansas City and what it represents for Bobby. Um, so it's still a work in progress, but the discussions are ongoing. Um, you know, Bobby said publicly, we've said publicly, you know, our desires to, to try to reach a deal. These things are complicated, though. You know, it, it takes a little bit of time. And, you know, a player, uh, as much as they may want to stay in one city, they have great opportunity. 
uh, in the game and in the industry. And Bobby's a superstar in this game, or, or a budding superstar in this game, who we believe in uh, quite a bit. And it just may take some time to, to work this thing out. But uh, you know, I, I'm happy to say that there there are ongoing discussions about it, and they have they're happening pretty regularly. Uh, I, I would take that to mean that it's it's not imminent, right? But that the discussions are ongoing. You said so. Um, you know. Uh, would I be safe to say it's not going to happen before spring training? Well, I'd love to tell you that it would. I just don't, yeah. don't really have a case okay. for okay. whether or not it would. But, uh, you know, I do think we have to be cognizant, too, that, you know, Bobby's a he's, a he's a very talented player, and the thing we want him to focus on once we get to, you know, March 28th is the season. So, uh, you know, a bulk of our discussions will we'll be happening between now and then, and, you know, hopefully we come to some type of resolution and uh, we can move on from there. Okay. Um, last uh, part of that uh, question is, is there a time, and I know it's probably not one that you would share because it could handcuff you as far as trade discussions if there was a date everyone could circle on the calendar. Well, if they get past this, they're definitely trading him. Uh, but is there a time where the, the you get beyond maybe the point of no return where if we can't get him signed by this time, and it's, it, it starts to be we have to look to make sure that we don't come up with nothing uh, and, and have you know, them walking away. I mean, I, I'd be lying to you if I told you I didn't, we didn't think about things like that. But I think what's changed is that you look at uh, a Juan Soto. So he gets traded with two years left, two and a half years left in his contract. And then a year before he becomes a free agent, gets traded again. It used to be a little more definitive, at least in – my observation, more definitive that it's two years before. I think that's changed now. Um, and I think you know, so much of it depends on who's acquiring the player. Can they extend them? All those types of things. So I, I don't think there's a date that we'd have to say by this date we would have to make a move like that. You know, I'd rather focus on uh, trying to get Bobby here long term, keep him in a Royals uniform, and uh, you know, just play this thing out. All right, we're talking to J.J. Piccolo, uh, general manager for the Kansas City Royals. They they have their uh, big festivities coming up uh, and then off to spring training. So we're right around the corner from things getting started. Time for our final four. It's brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System. You can be cared by the same folks that care for your Kansas City Royals. Talking about the University of Kansas Health System, uh, whether an injury happens in uh, everyday life or by playing sports, uh, orthopedic care is available right there at the corner of 435 and all weekdays, 8 to 7, Saturdays. 8 to 2. Learn more at kansashealthsystem.com slash orthopedics. I'll start you with this, J.J. I've never asked you this. What does J.J. stand for? John Jr. John so Jr. It's, uh, yeah. Okay. My mom didn't like it. They were me Jr. when I was first born and didn't like it, so came up with J.J. Okay. I like that. That's strong. And it's stuck. Yeah. Good good for mom. She got what she <laughs> wanted. I'm proud of her. Um, she always did. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, tell me, uh, Nick Sirianni, back with the Eagles. You're an Eagles fan, a big Eagles fan. Is that the right move for your uh, football franchise? You know, it's hard. I know they had a tough uh, stretch, really, last two months. But you know, he's been in the playoffs three straight years, went to the Super Bowl. It, it, it would have been a pretty extreme move to, to remove him from that position. So hopefully, you know, he gets things moving in the right direction and we play the Chiefs again next year Super Bowl. Yeah, we'll take that. We'll take that. I'll sign up for that right now if, you, if you're going to give it to us. Um, all right, tell me, will there ever be another 300-game winner in baseball? I think it's going to be difficult. Um, 
you know, I was asked this question last week about a 20 game winner. I think you, I think we'll have a 20 game winner again, but a 300 game winner, I think it's going to be difficult just the way bullpens are utilized and the power in the bullpen and guys not getting decisions. So I, I do think it's going to be difficult, uh, hard to say never. Um, but, uh, I, if I had to bet, I would, I would bet against it. All right. Uh, just 43 wins for Justin Verlander. Uh, I have a bet with Curtis that there will be one. He actually, we made this bet when Randy Johnson, uh, won his 300th, uh, and I believe it was Randy Johnson. He was the last one, right? Um, and Curtis said there'll never so. be there'll never be another. And so we made a bet, and uh, I've got that there will be. So I'm I'm Team Justin Verlander uh, when it comes to the win category. He's at 247. Yeah, he's my, yeah. he's my yeah. next, and and maybe frankly my last best hope. Uh, yeah. for it to happen. So uh, he better well, he's got a new ligament, so he's got another seven years in that new ligament. So he's in good shape. There we go. That's all I needed to hear. Um, all right. And uh, finally, uh, hitters or pitchers park. There'll be a new ballpark coming uh, for the Royals at some point. Uh, what do you want, a hitters park or a pitchers park? Please don't say I, neutral. Know, not, Please don't I, say I neutral. Say, you're not going to like this answer, but, you know, we've got 13 pitchers and 13 hitters, and you want it to be fair to both. Uh, I I – what I would, what I don't want is the like the extremes. You know, I would hope we don't go to extremes, or it's really short in right field or left field, or so deep. You know, something that's playable, even if it favors pitchers a little bit or favors hitters a little bit. But the the pop up home runs are really really hard to swallow, and then also the uh, you know the balls that are hit really well in the gap and just don't go out. So. I hate to say it, but my answer is neutral because you, you want a little bit of both. So when a ball's hit well, it should go over the fence. Um, a pop-up shouldn't go over the fence. So I just want to stay away from the extreme. Okay, okay. So, <laughs> we got it. So that's a, that's a fancy way of saying neutral. The, uh, the, the future mayor, perhaps congressman, perhaps senator, uh, in these parts with a very political answer right there. You did, you did fantastic for your future career in politics. Uh, JJ, hey, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Uh, have fun here in KC before you get going and we'll see you down in surprise. All right, friend. Thanks for the time. All right. Six defending champions lost in the Super Bowl. Who was the first to do that? Brought to you by Joe's Kansas City Barbecue.